the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 340. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Will Reid. And I'm Peter Hall in Bali. Welcome along, Peter. Well, thank you very much for <laughs> uh, for joining us from um, from across the, the, the waters. The warm tropical waters. You are welcome, sir. So let's just remind listeners, both of you have obviously been on the New Zealand Tech Podcast a uh, number of times before, but uh, maybe we start with uh, with you, Peter, and where you fit into this wonderful world of technology. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I founded Digital Nations, which was a tech event that ran for a couple of years in New Zealand and then got um, sold and hasn't resurfaced, um, but we'll see what we can do about that in the future. Um, and then currently I work with customer experience for um, the warehouse group, so I'm currently involved in figuring out what we can do there which uh, with more of a customer focus so a uh, huge techie love gaming love technology everything like that great well we're look, looking forward to uh, to your comments particularly on uh, on e3 which has been taking place this week so we'll we'll look forward mm. to that um and, and wall how about Excellent. how about you into this world of tech well, and podcasting well, i was and listening song. to peter's um, blurb there it's amazing um i work for a consumer electronics industry day by day and then at night i'm an entertainment uh, journalist as well so cover all articles about you know celebrities, musicians, you know, but what is ever happening in the world of uh, entertainment in New Zealand and overseas. Uh, we cover it, and nice. also on the NZ uh, Entertainment Podcast as well. Good, good. Well, let's let's jump straight in. Uh, start a few little local uh, local bits and pieces. Uh, CIO Summit is swinging around again. It's uh, it's here in Auckland this week, Wednesday and, and Thursday. So just a little reminder about that. Well, with uh, attending for those who wear the hat of a chief information officer or, or where that sort of falls into their realm. Uh, pretty impressive lineup of, of speakers and lots of sponsors and, and, and content there and of course their, uh, their annual awards as well. So that should be a goodie. Uh, and I received through an email today announcing that uh, the initial ultra-fast broadband rollout in New Zealand has hit 75% Completion, so three quarters of the way through that initial project. Which is that ahead of time or on time, or I don't even know. I, I think they're uh, I think they're running on pretty much on on schedule. Um, the the project's been going now since I'm not sure when the uh, I'd have to look back through my details to see when you know people first started getting ultra fast uh, broadband. But I guess it's yeah. been it's been more ooh, be sort of around probably around five years that we saw our first ultra fast broadband yeah. sort of plans rolling out. And initially it was Northland that really got the uh, the, the best treatment because uh, North Power that uh, won the contract in that. Area Area was already established with uh, with getting fibre out there. Uh, I think they were already certainly um, uh, moving down that track. So it was uh, uh, it was Northland in, in the uh, Whangarei area that um, probably started first and um, were, were one of the first to finish as well. So uh, very nice if you live up uh, if you live up there because if you're in the coverage area, uh, certainly for the UFB one, the, the the first tranche, then you know it was. 
was it was completed quite some uh, quite some time ago. But yeah, overall seventy five percent complete. The goal was to reach seventy five percent of the New Zealand population uh, by the end of twenty nineteen, uh, basically by twenty twenty. Uh, so they're three quarters of the way through that, and there are there are certainly lots of uh, lots of smaller areas that are already. Uh, done and dusted, and you know if you're within those uh, those first coverage areas, then then you're covered. And of course, in in the last uh, you know twelve twelve months or so, we've had all the details that have come out around the second wave of ultra fast broadband, which will uh, bump it up to reach around eighty five percent of the the population with uh, fiber optic internet, which gives at, at this stage up to uh, up to gigabit types uh, types of speeds. But of course, it depends where you are. So there is also ultra-fast mm. broadband or, or UFB2, the, the second stage of the program uh, that runs out from, um, you know, going forward from now uh, through until about 2024. And that next phase of it reaches uh, reaches that next block of the population. And that will, you know, will take a, you know, a number of years to get to uh, some people. Uh, although I notice some of it isn't waiting until the, the full completion of the first stage. So it's not as though it starts in 2021 uh, or 2020. Some of that work is already, uh, will already be, be, be underway uh, ahead of the completion of, of UFB1. But that will reach out to uh, 85% of the population. So a lot of people who are, who are maybe in uh, city fringes or, or smaller towns and so on have a pretty reasonable chance that they will uh, they will get it and there's a bunch of info online about those areas that will be um, be reached Pete have you had a look because um, where are you based you, are you out of Auckland so or I, are you well I, um, I was on Waikiki before and I actually had I actually had fibre on Waikiki which was really impressive nice. now I'm now I'm mm-hmm. in Lynn, so it's fine and, and um, I'm looking to move to Hobsonville so again that's all covered but right. yeah no I was imp- I was actually impressed with the fact that uh, I could get like you know I had a 200 megabit per second connection on, on Waikiki that's excellent that's, that's fantastic yeah there wouldn't be uh, too many people on on island locations that have got uh, got access to nice um, fiber internet, so nah. that's good. And mm. uh, and Wall, are you? Yeah, yeah well, it, it took us a while. Yeah. Uh, we only got it about a year ago. But okay. I, I but still hear the other parts of Auckland that still don't have it yet. So yeah, we, yeah, we're only getting about two to three and a half um, download speeds. So it's quite it's quite good. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's weird though because like while I was getting it in Waiheke, I'd previously lived in Koe Marama, which I would have thought would have been high priority, but they still I think they literally got it this year or something like that. Just yeah. Which is, just seems so odd to me. Like they do, they put it on Waiheke. I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they had to plan the um, you know putting it in as it were. But I would have thought they would have kind of maybe looked at areas like that and, and done it. Might but maybe yeah, it's because no, there's um, <laughs> not many MPs that live in that area, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure that's how they, they operated, but um, I mean, ultimate, ultimately, if you're in the coverage area, you're going to have it within the next uh, within the next two and a half years for that first phase, uh, and then yeah. you know, following that, the next uh, five years following following that uh, for those broader areas. And uh, it's yeah, I can't uh, I can't harp on a, a, about it enough because I think it's uh, it's a really brilliant initiative and it's it's a, a really valuable thing for uh, for us as a it's country. Especially when we look at Australia, right? Yeah. I mean, look, it's huge. The only thing that I wonder, though, is how do we, you know, obviously we've got now, how many broadband providers do we have? Do we know how many of them are actually being profitable currently? I mean, I'm assuming we've got about 10 different brands right uh, right now that I would know of that are actually doing it. I don't know if yeah, there's, there's, around, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of republics and you've got the big pipes and you've got yeah. the Sparks and the Vodafones and all lot, of those lot um, more than suspects 10. as well. I wonder how, how it's been from there because I know there was a lot of griping early on about them not being able to make enough money off 
profit, etc. Well, it can't be too bad because they're generally all still in business. I've, I haven't heard any stories for, for some time of anyone uh, shutting down. And then, of course, we had Stuff Fiber launch, so we've got someone new that's come into the game. So there, there, there must yeah. be uh, there must be some something in it. So yeah, can't be can't be too bad. Can't be too bad. Um, that that said, you don't always get the best customer no. service out of uh, out of some of these uh, providers, and and that's why we've you know, possibly why some of the newer providers are are offering slightly different mechanisms uh, for support, like online only, which a big pipe are doing, and and, and so on. Um, mm. But yeah, I think we're we're generally pretty well pretty well served here in New Zealand in terms of uh, what we're getting there with the ultra fast broadband, and of course there's a rural broadband initiative as well, which seeks to um, hit the rest of the population and deliver basically minimum of 50 megabits per second to 99% of the population by 2025, which pretty good. is, uh, at the moment, sounds sounds pretty good. But of course, by the time we get to 2025, uh, anyone that's getting only 50 megabits, may, maybe they will, uh, they'll be looking for something faster by then. But I, I think compared to where we are now, that's uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. Just uh, not so good maybe if you're in that, uh, in that last uh, last one one percent, we're probably dealing with sort of you know, satellite connectivity and oh, so on, yeah. and, and yeah, it probably yeah. it won't be a full one percent. Now on to another topic that this one has been um, people may have heard of it in the in the last you know, couple of weeks or so. It's a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter called Magpie, and there's uh, a few Kiwis behind this. And what what stu- um, Derek? Derek Handley is one who a lot of our listeners uh, may may know of, a tech entrepreneur um, who's a Kiwi, um, often often based in New York. Although I notice he's been uh, he's been on the TV the last uh, the last couple of nights. Not that I've been watching the TV, but I did see um, a few people mentioning this. Uh, uh, program around what New Zealand's going to be like in uh, in twenty years, and I did manage to squeeze a little bit through onto my uh, phone on uh, on demand. But that'll be an interesting um, an interesting program by the sounds of it. Um, but jumping back to Magpie, um, it's a concept we've heard before. The idea of a little GPS tracker uh, that will work in multiple, you know, lots of countries, and you pay some sort of ongoing uh, subscription to access and use. It. Now, what's different about this one? A uh, few things. It's designed to be pretty much waterproof, if I've got my um, facts correct here. And it is basically free. So you're really just paying for the subscription. So if, you go, if you're interested in, in Magpie, go and find it on, um, on Kickstarter. And what I like is, and they may not offer this later, but certainly for those that just want to, I guess, want to try it out, want to kick the tires a little bit and see if it's any good with a $5 US uh, pledge plus $8 shipping um, so what about 20, 20 New Zealand dollars you can get one of these GPS trackers which has a, uh, I think it's, I think it's a three G um, data connection, and it will. Um, you basically will get one month of service with it, and that uh, five US dollar base price. If you're happy with it, then you have to keep paying at the five. I think five uh, US dollars a month for it to uh, for it to run. But much more practical than some of these sort of Bluetooth type trackers that we've seen in the past, which realistically most of the time are off the grid, and you get you get no information yeah. about. 
about them. Um, so these, this seems like a pretty good idea. Um, being reasonably small, though, you've got to be aware if you want it to report back really regularly with its location, then the battery won't last very, very long. Um, but you can basically adjust those those settings so you know have it report back uh you know every minute to have it report back say once a day in which case the battery is going to last for months which is actually pretty cool um and it's like you said like it's not that they're not the first guys to do something like that it is interesting that the model they're going for is pay pay for, for monthly rather than a you know straight out just buy it yeah this um that works for them. the con the con the concept of you know sitting how often it's going to report back seems really interesting if you can get up to three months of battery life that's uh, that's pretty cool i think you know they will have some work uh, to do it just charges off i think uh, micro uh, usb they will have a little bit of work to do around really getting that um to work well because if you've moved a lot in a in a day i don't know how good its smarts will be and how long it will take to reconnect so that battery life may depend a little bit on uh, on how much movement there is and so on but having uh, having the sim card where they've cut it they you know they've done an appropriate sort of uh, arrangement gives them uh, support for it in 185 countries around the world which is uh, is really pretty uh, pretty impressive right it's not too bad. Mm. It comes in a clip form as well, so you can just clip it to whatever any object yeah. you want, anything. As mm. well. So it. yeah, so it, lo- it looks like they're they're trying to maybe do what um, the likes of, and I'm trying to remember what these Bluetooth trackers were called. Uh, a few of them on the market. In fact, I think I've got one of them kicking around uh, somewhere nearby. Um, I could probably find the app on my uh, on my phone, but uh, yeah, the tile ones. Oh uh, yeah, there's yeah. tile. Yeah, tile is one of them. Um, or a, or Tyler's GPS. Yeah, so Tile Tile um, works on. So I'm just looking at mine at the moment, and it tells me that my Tile is out of range. And this happens when you get more than a hundred feet yeah. away from it. Uh, yeah, you do get the benefit if someone else comes within range, then it can alert you. But I've I've done a fair bit of testing on that, and it's pretty poor. Uh, the, yeah, the I one time I got a good result with it, and and I thought, well, what happened? when you put it amongst a big population of people so I put it on my son's shoelaces uh, for the round the base uh, run and um, when he got to the end of the run and there are I guess you know thousands of people congregated in a short space there was enough that somebody within you know not yeah pretty close to him had the tile app running on their phone and so I got a ping back to to uh, um, you know give me his location but most of the time you actually have no real fix on a on a location so the idea of a, a gps tracker that works reasonably well even though it's considerably more than one of these bluetooth units i think will be of interest to people especially well, for really well, what, high value things right well also i mean the what i see that they're pushing on the on the campaign is actually for pets i actually think that's a huge industry to for people to put it on their dog or their cats or whatever because there isn't anything really that great they, they tend to be really bulky you know like a gps tracker that sits on the collar of a of a cat or a dog they tend to be not that great so this actually looks like it could be a good solution for that yeah also children as well so obviously the children yeah. just squeeze it and it'll just send a it'll start ringing your phone just pretty good yeah your partner yeah very cool <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i mean i i think this is pretty good it does raise something i wouldn't be personally wouldn't be too concerned about it but one of the use cases is attach it to your luggage in case your luggage gets uh, gets lost 
Mm. And of course, you know, you're supposed to be turning off mobile devices and whatnot when you're uh, when you're travelling. And uh, yeah, this this won't be following those rules. But realistically, I don't think there's there's a there's a genuine um, yeah issue around that unless somebody's got it attached to some sort of uh, dodgy device. So uh, yeah, but those things have always been uh, have been possible for a long time. So uh, so that one's worth looking up if you're uh, if you're interested. And as I say, start to the five dollar US pledge if you want to get in on that crowdfunding campaign on on Kickstarter for the uh, for the Magpie. So are these guys Kiwi or are they just one of them? One of them Kiwi. Um, so the looks like the the um, core sort of technologist behind it who had the initial ideas is not yeah. a not a Kiwi, but is uh, connected with. Um, with a number of Kiwis for the project. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know one person who's working on it who's a Kiwi. Oh, who um, do you know? Who's, who's doing a bit of their social media stuff for them. Oh, good, good. Okay. Now, also on the Kiwi front, um, we've got there's a startup, I think, out of, is it Wanaka, called Kin to Kin, and... They've been they've been running for a, for I don't know maybe a year or or so now, and the last I'd heard about them was they've they've launched this private social network designed for families rather than for friends, so it's to keep it you know content really close uh, close within families, and um, they highlight it's to enable interaction, particularly between grandparents and their children, um, and a free app for. Um, which is referred to sort of a blend between something like um, Instagram, photo sharing, and um, and and a, you know private messaging um, app. So you know, I guess it crosses over with sort of Facebook Messenger and so on, but it's uh, it's really locked down from that safety perspective, and that it is very much about family connecting with family. Um, and what we've uh, we've heard is they've been trying to, as a lot of the startups do, once they get rolling, uh, figure out how they will monetize their platform um, as they build up a bit of uh, a bit of pace. And one thing they said is they don't want to be sort of dropping ads in in the middle of uh, things. So they have worked out that they're going to work on a um, on a model of uh, gifting. So. Uh, you know, family can send uh, can send gifts uh, to each other, such as uh, um, gift cards, so flowers and, and and whatnot. So, yeah, best of luck to them. It's always good to um, see um, New Zealand uh, tech startups that are uh, that are progressing along uh, the track, mm. and uh, you know, hopefully they do uh, um, they do well in terms of uh, reaching profitability. So. Um, um, apparently, they're uh, they're expecting to reach break even and uh, pass 120,000 users in a year. Um, and having uh, personally built a social network before, um, that would be that'd be a pretty uh, solid figure: 120,000 people uh, in a year. So, um, yeah, best of luck with that one. Um, kin to Kin is the name of that. If you want to look up the um, the app and try it out. Now, also on a, a somewhat local front, um, Fuji Xerox New Zealand. So New Zealand uh, arm of the big uh, tech firm who have been, um, well, there's been some uh, accounting irregularities, shall we say, 
And uh, mainstream media have been reporting uh, on this. I think it was um, uh, New Zealand First leader uh, Winston uh, Peters who's been sort of stirring some things up around this and um, um, putting some blame on the government uh, around the situation. But uh, what we had heard initially was that uh, there was expected to be a loss uh, attributable to the uh, New Zealand arm um, of uh, Fuji Xerox of in the direction of a quarter of a billion or so uh, New Zealand uh, dollars, uh, about $284 million actually. And apparently that's actually uh, blown out to $472 million. So um, sounds like a, a bit of a shambles with their uh, their accounting practices. So you kind of have to have to wonder what, what was going on and whether there's been any sort of fraud uh, here. I think um, the the serious uh, fraud, it's been suggested the serious fraud office should be uh, um, having a closer look at, uh, at what, what's gone on here. So yeah, not too uh, not too nice, and especially for those that are that are working there, because uh, yeah, it puts the company under uh, something of a of a cloud, really. So it was, uh, yeah, that's did, tough. Yeah, right? it is. And it looks like the was it the global chairman has also resigned as well. It's, it's not just it's not um, it's impacting the the whole company as a whole globally. Yeah, yes, yeah. not not it's creepers. Not too, not too small. Whatever's uh, whatever's going on, we're talking those sort of uh, those sort of figures. Um, now, I talked um, a couple of weeks ago about the uh, little wearable from uh, from Milo, uh, or the Milo branded uh, wearable. And since then, I've had um, had a few other little bits of information uh, fly in. One was from uh, Regan Murphy, who, of course, comes on the show from uh, from time to time. Uh, he mentioned that he's found for his kids that the um, that the Garmin uh, Garmin's um, kids uh, wearable or, or fitness tracker is uh, is quite a good option it's called the vivo fit uh, uh, junior and they're they're 129 dollars in New Zealand so that one I thought is worth a mention the other one which I'm actually wearing uh, right now was the one if you listened in to the uh, the interview that I did at um, um, the AWS summit Summit um, Amazon uh, Web Services event with um, Glenn Gore. You might have heard a little bit about Alanation and their uh, their e turbo. So I'm wearing that one at the moment. Uh, I asked them to give me one of those for my son to try out. Now Pablo is uh, about six and a half at the moment, and the interesting thing I found about this wearable is it's actually the strap on it is more than big enough for a pretty uh, pretty large uh, wrist so I'm, I'm wearing it now and I've, there's still a few holes to go so you could have a pretty big wrist um, but it isn't designed maybe for um, kids as young as um, as my son because it's a, it's somewhat loose on uh, on his wrist and because this one 
um, has a heart rate sensor in it, then you kind of want that to be um, to be sitting about you know nicely against your uh, against your skin. Um, so I haven't got too far with the testing on that, but a couple of things that stood out versus the uh, the Milo product. Uh, one, the charger for the Milo product got well as as can happen with these things uh, got mislaid, and the timing of it was fine because the Elanation one had arrived and I wanted to try it out. Um, but it highlighted a really smart feature about the little the Elanation wearable, and I'm just showing it to Wall uh, mm. now. But you basically can pull that out of its um, out of its wristband, and it's got the USB port uh, actually built right into the uh, the wearable like- so you just pull it out of its rubber surround and plug it uh, straight into your uh, your USB charger which is absolutely fantastic uh, the other thing it's got going for it is and I can't remember the IP rating on it but it's uh, it's reasonably waterproof so I think it's you know it's okay for a bit of swimming and so on again comparing um, you know with the much lower cost one from Milo so these ones I think they're coming in around a hundred maybe a hundred Australian I think there is some shipping. Uh, because Alanation uh, at this stage do all of their shipping out of uh, out of Australia, uh, but um, yeah, it's nice that there's a few options on the market now that are targeting the youngsters. And what Alanation are doing is kids that are active then get rewarded with access to um, some games and 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 bits and pieces in their app. Now I haven't had too close look at that. I'm not uh, so much into those uh, those kids games, but um, but the options are there. So yeah, looks like a kids. Color you got there fluorescent yellow is it yeah yeah, yeah. stop you getting um i don't know stop you eating it run over or something yeah i don't know um but yeah it's good now i think we probably should be talking about a little bit about e3 now peter even though you're uh you're basically on holiday <laughs> there in uh, in bali you've been uh, you've been watching the keynotes and really keeping up to date with a lot of what's going on so maybe you can uh, you can start with um what it what are the highlights for you from uh, from a gaming perspective at uh, at E3? And then we can get in and talk a little bit about the hardware side. Totally. I'll, g- I'll give you some highlights, some, some lowlights from my perspective. Um, so, look, look I, I was just saying before that I kind of I find these days that these these um, kind of E3 events and especially the conferences and the big kind of show things are just getting more and more cringy. I actually struggle to sit through them and, and not sit there and just go, oh, this is so embarrassing. I mean, you're talking about grown men trying to be hip and cool standing on a stage with tons of monitors and an audience sitting there rooting at uh, game trailers. I mean, that's literally what you're talking about. And it just it, it just feels like a slight detachment from reality. The format doesn't really suit it anymore. But if you're willing to kind of step aside from that and not think about that and look at the things that came out, we obviously had finally the confirmation of Project Scorpio becoming Xbox One X, which is really also quite funny because obviously Xbox One has been called the XBO and now it's Xbox One X, which means XBO now, the, the name itself is actually spells out xbox so it's the xbox xbox i i kind of i really like the features that they put in there look they've they've really gone hard with making sure that it's true 4k spec uh you know they're, they're talking about liquid cooling which is really impressive it's the smallest xbox one uh or xbox console yet um all of that's great. Blu-ray, 4K player, which the PS4 Pro does not have. And even from a pricing perspective, I think, yes, it's quite expensive as a console, uh, you know, but obviously from a performance perspective, it's really cool. Um, the problem being that the weak side of Microsoft's press release, and I don't think, oh, sorry, press conference or, or conference, I don't think anyone really would disagree with this, is 
they don't have the exclusive titles. They just don't. The stuff they showed, some of the things were really cool, but they were kind of timed exclusives, which means that, you know, Sony will get uh, a release date, say, two months later on. And, you know, they've really, really lost that kind of upper hand that they, they had played so strongly with Xbox 360. And, you know, it's funny how much those decisions they made with the original Xbox One and the launch when I was actually at there uh, at E3 for that original Xbox One launch how much those decisions they made then cost them. You know, it cost them a huge proportion of the gaming uh, console market. And it's still, uh, you know, seven years later or whatever it is now, those repercussions are still there. They're still struggling from it. So um, so I think, look, from, from Microsoft, the highlight, if you look at their own stuff, I only think the only highlight was Xbox One X, the actual, um, the only, the console. If you look at companies like Sony, Sony had a strong showing when it comes to titles, and then they're again showing, you know, how good their properties are from Naughty Dog. You know, they got the standalone kind of add-on to Uncharted, which looks great. They got another God of War game coming. They've got a Shadow of the Colossus coming from PS4. So, really strong on titles. Um, disappointing on the console side, they didn't do anything. And PS4 Pro, as far as I'm concerned, is not really 100% worth the money. So it's kind of like, you know, it's interesting if they drop the price for Christmas, which they most likely will do because of the xbox one x um then yes it's going to be really good but you know sony not really doing a lot with gaming ubisoft obviously coming out with assassin's creed origins looks amazing egypt more rpg styled really cool um so really liking that um their biggest surprise for me for the entire show is actually uh, beyond good and evil 2 is finally coming out beyond good and evil has been um one of my favorite games 15 years ago or 14 years ago. And so to see a sequel in 20, 2017, 2018, and whenever it might come out is actually quite amazing. It's a great game. So that, that looks amazing. Um, obviously, we've got more of Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is the real one. Battlefront 1 was, as far as I'm concerned, not a great game. Very boring, looked really slick, but a really boring game. So really cool that they're actually uh, focusing on more of a storyline with it to kind of bring it together. And obviously, you've got um, Call of Duty World War II, um, and it's really funny now how they've gone from all these futuristic Call of Duty series and Battlefield series, and now they kind of moved on to back into World War One and World War Two. I'm really happy to see that because I think it's been missing for the last ten years, where it's been very focused on future warfare, which I've found quite dull, mainly because it isn't anchored in any kind of history. So, you know, putting on the uh, you know putting on a a helmet and a uniform and going to fight in World War Two is really cool because it's got a historical sense of. Of, of reality whereas i think flying around in space in a space suit and and shooting at uh, other guys is just to me it hasn't been as interested interesting and i think that you know with the graphics and especially when you take something like battlefield one which was world war one setting it was absolutely outstanding um so i think i'm, I'm really excited about seeing that so nintendo's tomorrow i believe their press conference so not too much come out of them there and then obviously the, the two last ones that are bigger bioware who came out with anthem which looks amazing and that does look great on the xbox one but again it's not an exclusive title so that will come out for ps4 as well and ps4 pro okay um and then obviously bethesda coming out with as expected a new wolfenstein game which i'm sure will be awesome uh, and some other stuff as well but look in, in, in the, the good news for e3 this year is tons of great games tons of great games the bad news is most of them are 2018 yeah it did seem like a a, a big lineup of games and also ple- pleasing to see uh from sony's end that Vir- the virtual reality, um, you know, area is getting is getting a, yes. you know a, a bit of an increase in terms of um, content. 
Absolutely. Look, it, it's really cool. So they've got a few titles that are actually going to come to the, the PSVR kit. I think the only the biggest problem them they have is that their first gen of that VR isn't that great. So um, they still have a little bit of ways to go when it comes to the actual technology. But them focusing on VR is awesome. Uh, Microsoft still not announcing a VR headset for the Xbox One X um, is slightly astounding. I don't really know. Um, obviously, they've got the Windows one, and maybe they're just going to announce compatibility between them and the Xbox. I mean, it is pretty much running Windows 10 anyway. Um, so the, I guess there's no real reason for them not to. But yeah, Sony VR, awesome. You know, wish wish Microsoft would be doing that. Obviously, the price point for the Xbox One is great. So $749. Uh, and I mean, if you look at any kind of PC equipment, if you try to get that spec that they've got into the Xbox One X in a PC, you'd probably pay about about fifteen hundred, seven, seventeen hundred bucks. So that's a that's, power machine. That's but, impressive, uh, isn't it? Help if you don't have content. And the, the, I guess the other thing around the pricing that w- that was curious when I got the info uh, through from uh, Microsoft today was that there's some interesting variations in terms of the price. So launches in the US at four <laughs> nine four nine nine. Uh, I think Canada was something like five nine nine Canadian, and the Canadian dollar and the New Zealand. Dollar are very very close so actually a whole lot cheaper in Canada than in the US the uh, Australia I think was 649 Australian dollars uh, which presumably includes GS their GST so again makes it cheaper than the US price and it's 749 in New Zealand including 15% GST so we're I think we're out on top actually with uh, with lower than US pricing as well when you take the tax into it because that's extra in the uh, in the US so yeah it seems uh, it's, it's actually a nice a nice change that uh, the cheapest prices aren't in the US um, and as you say yeah it's very impressive from a um, from a power perspective very very capable machine when you when you look at the uh, the breakdown of the CPU and the the GPU capabilities the sort of performance that we expect to get out of it and uh, yeah I'm I'm just curious to see what other uses that this Xbox is going to be able to be uh, be put to as well as uh, as as gaming now you've got access to sort of Windows Store and 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 so on um, on the uh, the Xbox look they're doing all the right things I feel a little bit sorry for Microsoft because they're doing everything that you want they've started a Netflix light um, subscription based service for games so that you can pay you know 20 bucks a month instead of buying games the problem obviously being that the catalog right now is pretty poor so you know that kind of that idea is great but they haven't really been able to pull it through um they've obviously done backward compatibility with the xbox 360 that everybody wanted but they announced it too late you know that should have been a day one feature and they probably would have um stopped a lot of xbox guys switching to playstation and then finally now they're also uh, making xbox one uh, sorry xbox original xbox games compatible with with the Xbox One console. So you can see how hard they want the Xbox One to do well, but they still have this, the kind of, they're living with this legacy of what happened at launch and they just can't get, they can't get over it because the unit sales haven't been there the same way as they have for PlayStation. So they don't have the bargaining power of going to Ubisoft or, you know, an Activision like in the past and, and making sure that they can really secure some exclusive content because their sales are 50% of the PS4 market, you know? So I do, I do feel for my, 
Microsoft, they really want the gamers to get the best out of the machine. And I think they will, to your point. Look, what they can do with that box when it's in your living room is astounding. And I think we also need to put in perspective when it comes to price, saying that $749 for a, for a full gaming console that's also 4K Blu-ray player and all this other stuff, you you know, you get music streaming and you can download movies and all this kind of stuff. We pay 1200 bucks for a mobile phone. Mm. You know, it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit ridiculous sometimes. Yep. And I saw uh, Sony sent something through today. They refreshed their, their sales figures. And the last one we heard was fairly recently where they mentioned they were up to 55 point something million uh, sales. Uh, today, they've highlighted they've shot past uh, 60 million sales of the PlayStation um, 4. So they're, yeah, they're, as you say, they're, um, they're around around double the sales of the uh, the Xbox uh, One, which, um, yeah, does, does make things very, very difficult for Microsoft. And it is a shame, right? Because the irony is none of them really want to be in that position either because because Sony actually thrive when they're being pushed by Microsoft. So I guess in one way it is good that Microsoft are doing all this stuff because it does put some pressure on Sony. But, um, you know, you really want those two guys to duke it out on a more even playing field because at the end of the day, that's how the gamers went and that's how we get better content. That's how, you know, we get better features is by them them actually being close to each other in, 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 uh, in size. So it's, um, uh, yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's interesting. But look, really good game, uh, good year for gamers so there is a lot of good stuff coming through this year although um, probably not as exciting as next year I think next year will be huge obviously Nintendo Switch will be interesting to see tomorrow I mean that's a console that was literally I mean as far as I'm concerned it was released uh, six months to almost 12 months too early I mean they, don't, they don't have, haven't had any games for it really that have been compelling so it's going to be interesting to see what they've done and they've obviously pushed back their online service now and saying that the online component isn't coming until 2018 Wow well thanks for uh, thanks for running us through the um the highlights there that's uh, that's great um, anything else that uh, you guys want to add before we uh, before we wrap up this week uh, no I still uh, remember my Commodore 64 still the ultimate uh, gaming the ultimate console. gaming machine oh. <laughs> man. 64k man, man. the graphics like a squeeze yeah. out of 64k Oh, there was there was, was so amazing. many good I machines in those in those days. It was uh, it was a good bubble, era. Bubble. <laughs> it was <laughs> a good era. You know, you put you popped your you popped your tape into the tape deck. You oh, sat there for twenty minutes and the little color bars going across weird the colors screen. and symbols on the screen. And if you were lucky, you got the game started. If not, you had to rewind the tape and start it again. We should have a retro E three. That'd be awesome. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right. Well, that's us for this episode. Uh, thanks everybody for listening in. We'll be back again, uh, back again next week. Uh, there may also be a little bit of content uh, coming from the uh, the CIO uh, summit this week. We'll uh, we'll see how we go for uh, for time on uh, on that. Um, well, where do people track you you down online or the New Zealand Entertainment Podcast? Stalk me down on NZ Entertainment Podcast, and you'll find us there. Wal, Jared, and Yulia. Thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. And uh, and Peter, best place to track you down? Oh, I reckon if you want to join the conversation and tell me how wrong I am about everything I said, then you can go to uh, A Streak of Geek, which is our Facebook group, which is uh, a lot of tech insiders, a few game developers from the States, and a lot of people who are just big fans of anything technology-related or uh, pop culture-related. Um, so it's A Streak of Geek on Facebook. Just give us your mobile number, Pete, and we'll abuse you verbally. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks, guys, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, you can keep in touch with my updates um, by Facebook, which is where my weekly videos go. So if you're listening into the podcast, uh, you probably in- enjoy catching those little weekly uh, video snippets as well. Um, and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Spain. All right. Catch you later. Bye. 
the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Uh-huh.